two, one, boom. Hotep Jesus. Of all the Jesuses I know, he's the Hotepiest. Social scientist and YouTube host, Hotep Jesus. How the fuck do you get a name like Hotep Jesus? The one and only Hotep Jesus. Ryan Sharp, better known to the world as Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Somebody said, what do you think you are? Some kind of Hotep Jesus? Ooh, and that's I was good. Just like, ooh, that's sexy. <laughs> yes, I do think I'm Hotep <laughs> Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of the Griff Report. I'm your host, Hotep Jesus, the Griff God. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep. Hotep. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Shout out to the chat. Real quick, this drink contains adult humor and was created strictly for comedic and artistic purposes. No offense is intended toward any products or individuals featured in this video. Uh, what up, chat? EMP in the chat. I see you. Whiskey. What's up, man? Sauce to Profit. What up? I see Jabari in the chat. What up? There's an earthquake in Morocco. Nah, I'm not covering that. Latasha Jordan said, am I vegan? Not yet. Eventually. Hotep to the chat. Hotep. Uh, are we discussing New Mexico today? No, that's tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about New Mexico and feminism and a whole bunch of other stuff. Today is a special presentation. It's a big brain presentation. It's a topic that I love, love, love to cover. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring this stuff up on your screen. Uh, right here. So here we have, and just so everybody knows there's an audio version of this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just type in the Griff Report and you will be able to find that. Um, all right, so let's come here. Hold on, let me fix this on your screen so you see it real good. Hold on, let's change that. So this is uh, a live demo of a CBDC, live demo of a CBDC, how to use a CBDC to make payments. This is part of the G20 Summit. And uh, this was published seven hours ago. This is in India, I believe. So let's go take a look. Vicky is back again at the Crafts Bazaar at the New Delhi Summit. And here we wanted to bring you an interactive demo in terms of how CBDCs are being used to make purchases just the, in the same QR code that you're so familiar with. Let's walk by and try to see a live demo that's happening of a customer trying to purchase uh, using their CBDC token, but uh, just through the QR code like we do for Paytm or any other UPI devices. So as you can see here, we have a customer who has their wallet open. Now I'm trying to pay... Uh using the CBDC and you can see uh, there's a QR scan option which is there. Now uh, what I'm trying to do is uh, paying the user uh, for 700 rupees uh, which is there and there's an option to enter the pin uh, which is there. Shout out to the people that now you know can see pin. the transaction is successful and the notification has come there. I can see two notes are used. One is of 200 rupees and one is of 500 rupees. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is a live demonstration. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And the purchase behind me is completed just as simply. This is a demonstration of the retail uh, CBDC. This was launched in December 2022. Wait a second. Why did it split the payment? Successful. 
the notification has come. I can see two notes are used. One is of two hundred rupees and one is of five hundred rupees. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is a live demonstration. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And that's a bit suspicious that they split the payments. The purchase behind me is complete. Got, we're going to go into the IMF document in a minute, and you'll see why it's kind of suspicious. Just as simply, this is a demonstration of the retail uh, CBDC. This was launched in December 2022. And as of the end of this year, RBI aims to complete 1 million transactions per day. Uh, this is an effort going towards that. And the UPI interoperability was announced in July. And we are seeing that now as quickly as possible. It is being done. Stay All right. So you see that's in India thing is operational up and running people are using it i don't know who that guy was he might be a op we don't know but let's get to the gettings too now a few days ago we uncovered some information about the international monetary fund uh, one of the major world banks and uh, they said that they were going to issue um, some guidance on cbdc's and they in fact did do so uh, and I'll show you that. Hold on. Let me switch this really fast. I'll show you something. Mm, let's do it in this one. Let's just make it easier. Let's just put it here. All right. So on IMF.org, there's two papers, right? We're only going to go over one. Uh, although I do suggest taking a look at both of them. This one, it says, I'm sorry. This, this, this one paper here is called a guide to central bank digital currency product development. And this is very important for anybody who wants to learn about project management or, um, get some insight on how they're managing this project you would look at this document. And I, I read through that one, pretty standard stuff there. But the one we're gonna focus on today is this one. It says, uh, how should central banks explore central banking digital currency? So let's go to that document now. And you'll see it here on your screen, FinTech Notes. This is straight from the International Monetary Fund, AKA the IMF. How should central banks explore central bank digital currency, okay? course I've gone through this and made all of my highlights so um, we're gonna go ahead and just skip over the introduction here and come down to our first highlights and our first highlights here are an example of Israel and it says Israel potential scenarios for deciding to issue a digital shekel it says here the Bank of Israel uh, steering uh, committee on the potential issuance of a digital shekel has outlined a number of potential scenarios that could lead to deciding to issue a digital shekel. These scenarios might not be compelling for other jurisdictions. Uh, these scenarios are as follows. So it says here, so this is in regards to should Israel issue a digital shekel? And here are some reasons why they might. And it says, number one, because other people have, because other countries have. <laughs> it's the first thing that they put. <laughs> it says a decision by the United States or the Euro area or by a significant number of other developed economies to issue a CBDC would influence the decision in Israel. 
And this is something that we've covered on this channel where we said if America were to do it, um, they're actually um, you know, going to look at other countries. Other countries are doing it. We got to do it. This is something we've discussed. Then it says here the legitimate use of cash. So they're expecting a decline of cash uses in a, in the future. And they're questioning the public's ability to make transactions using central bank money may decline rapidly, right? So cashless society. Significant penetration of stable coins or other private means of payment that would be broadly used might impair the payment system. So basically what they're saying is competition. If a stable coin comes around or some other means of private payment, private money, sovereign money, Shout out to Syscoin, by the way, um, which could be a form of private money. They said that they would issue a uh, CBDC, right? Uh, then the last one here says, obviously, advancing technological use cases. So being on the cutting edge of technology, which is pretty much standard. So then there's different phases of this development here and their guidance. And they said this is uh, part three, which is the preparation phase here on page eight. And it says future proofing. So basically issuing a CBDC to prevent any, um, you know, just to be ahead of things, right? To sort of prepare for the future. They call it future proofing. All right. Is everybody following? Let me check on the chat. How did chat join? Hey, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you hit the like button. You know what I mean? It's a nice little Saturday vibe. Nice little quiet Saturday vibe. Going over some big brain content. You know what I mean? All right. Box two. UK motivations for the digital pound. So what would motivate the UK? It says here, the Bank of England and um, the Treasury, uh, likely that the digital pound will be needed in the future for the following reasons. And it says, of course, monetary and financial stability. And this is, again, more of more, supporting what we've discussed in the channel before about the state of the financial um, stability, right? So basically saying that the CBDC will protect us from any financial instability. And then, of course, promotion of innovation, right? So technology. we got to have the latest and greatest technology. So it continues here and it talks about the CBDC decision-making process. And of course, they use none other than financial inclusion and customer protection. Customer protection, if you read my book, The Patriot Report, Unmasking the Conspiracy of Money and War, available now on hotepjesus.com. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. If you read that, then you know about the dangers of selling things under the guise of consumer protection because the road to hell is paved with communist intentions, as I've tweeted out this week. So, of course, they're going to try and financial inclusion and, oh, yeah, we have to protect our consumers. Okay, cool. Sure. Then it says here the following subsections discuss the most common policy objectives of central banks when considering a CBDC. They are grouped in the following broad categories. Promote access to payments and financial inclusion. Again, financial inclusion. Facilitate payment system competition. Now, this is basically saying we want to control the game. We want to control the competition. You know, they say they want to facilitate payment system competition, but really it's just about controlling the game. And this is monetary sovereignty. Now, when they use the term monetary sovereignty, they're not talking about protecting your sovereignty. They're talking about protecting their sovereignty, protecting their governance over monetary policy and financial alleged stability. 
then they have a, a section um, dedicated to access to payments and financial stability. And you'll see here that they mention people with disabilities. This is something that Black Lives Matter has used in the past. And again, communists like to find marginalized groups, uh, impoverished groups, underserved groups, and then exploit them to create programs and systems. And here they're talking about people with disabilities, physical or cognitive disabilities, right? So they're saying the CBDC is going to help people who are disabled. And again, it says CBDC could potentially help lower barriers to financial inclusion. And in fact, they even have something called an Alliance for Financial Inclusion 2022. So there's a whole group of people dedicated to inclusion. And then, uh, of course, they end off here with distrust of financial service providers, right? So, again, protecting consumers, right? Um, people, so basically they'll say things like uh, FTX and SBF, because these people exist, we have to protect you from them, right? We don't want you to learn your mistakes on your own. We want to uh, be your guardian and your savior and your protector. So it says here... This is very important. This is something that um, AK talked about uh, this week and something that we've all predicted would happen. Well, it's right here in the IMF guidance paper. It says CBDC could be used to channel government payments. There it is right there. It's how they're going to sell it. It's exactly how they're going to sell it. And it says right here, government payments directly to households. For instance, subsidies or fiscal, uh, fiscal stimulus payments. So your next STEMI, guess what? You want this STEMI? Get the CBDC wallet. It says, likewise, CBDC can provide an additional uh, means of payment for individuals for government services, fees, or taxes. Yes, taxes, and this is something we've also discussed. In many countries, such payments are currently made in cash, which is costly, carries risk, and lacks transparency. CBDC for fiscal transfers could possibly mitigate these concerns. Okay, fiscal transfers. And of course, uh, next paragraph here, they talk about cross-border payments, right? And it says central banks have to work together from an early stage to achieve interoperability of their CBDC. So this is the, I won't say global um, cooperation, but let's just say global co cooperation to make things simple. It's really, it's Westernist cooperation and then it'll be a BRICS cooperation. Again, we've discussed this, but there will be a need for the IMF, right? And, the, and, and the IMF issuing these documents is them basically saying, Hey guys, um, I'm going to show you how to do this thing. Okay, and, and, and that gives us purpose in this world government. Right. So um, and obviously the IMF is not needed in this. So them just like putting their nose in this is them. Basically, it's kind of like trying to make sure that you're not removed from being an intermediary. Right. You just sort of do stuff to make yourself useful. Women do this in corporate America. Sorry for being the sexist on the stream, but um. You know, some people would just make up all types of shit to seem useful when really we didn't need you to print this report out, Susan. We didn't need this at all. We had already made decisions on this. But now we feel bad because you put together this 20 page report and we're like, well, we kind of keep need to keep her around because, well, she seems to be trying to make herself useful. But really, she's just doing busy work. Anyway, let's continue. 
I'm not going to let my corporate America frustrations take over this podcast. Um, now, check this out. It says the central bank. There's a lot of eerie stuff in this thing. Anyway, it says the central bank needs to evaluate <laughs> the alternative and complementary solutions to achieving the objective of payment access and financial inclusion. For instance, many central banks are weighing whether instant payment systems could promote cheaper and faster digital payments and if they could fruitfully coexist with the CBDC. So basically they're saying can Zelle and PayPal and all these other guys coexist with the CBDC, right? Um, likewise, digital and financial literacy programs are likely needed as a complement to CBDC to address financial inclusion goals. So they mentions financial literacy programs and financial inclusion goals in the same sentence, because what they're going to do is they're going to educate, aka indoctrinate poor people, uh, impoverished people, the unbanked, uh, the marginalized, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to indoctrinate them with their financial literacy programs so that they believe that the CBDC is good. So when somebody gets up on stage and says it's not good, they can scream and call them racist. Let's continue. Uh, payment system, competition, efficiency, and resilience. So this section to me was very interesting because I'm like, what are you about to do with, with the competition? Like, how are you going to rig the game so you can control it? So it says payment systems exhibit economies of scale and network effects, which could result in digital payment networks becoming dominated by a few. All right. So that what this is referring to is a monopoly. And in my head, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You don't want somebody else to create a monopoly because then that would destroy your monopoly. Again, competition. See, they're not worried about competition in the market. They're talking about competition directly related to them, the central bankers. That's the competition that they're worried about. So they're saying before we allow a monopoly of a payment service provider like a PayPal or something like that, we're going to be the monopoly and we're going to make sure these guys don't monopolize the game. That's pretty much what's happening here in certain jurisdictions over time. It says that could result in a lack of contestability, resulting in higher fees and large social consequences of payment service disruptions, blah, blah, blah. So basically saying that, you know, um, you know, uh, if somebody creates a monopoly, they can raise the fees on you and have some sort of control over people, which is uh, absolutely possible. However, in the private market, somebody would just come out with a cheaper product. And then prices would come down. But then the Fed would say, wait, those prices are too cheap. And again, it's just more communism. So let's continue. Um, CBDC could also complement cash. <laughs> yeah, OK. Physical cash distribution can be challenging sometimes, for example, during and after natural disasters. Now, I, I circle natural disasters because we told you. We discussed this before. Natural disasters could be one of the flags that they use to implement this CBDC. And it says right here, again, promoting resilience to natural disasters or wars. What are we in the middle of right now? War, Ukraine and Russia conflict. So war could also uh, be a reason to install a CBDC. Let's continue. Uh, let's drop down in the bottom of this paragraph here. It's talking about PSPs, payment service providers. It says, therefore, CBDC could also be designed as an infrastructure that could help achieve standardization and interoperability of private systems. So when they say standardization of 
private systems. That's a fancy way of saying communism. <laughs> Standardization of private systems, basically saying we're going to control the private market. This is centralization of power. This could also be deemed fascism if it came about violently. And it kind of is. So there's a, a bit of an overlap there. But standardization and interoperability of private systems. So basically, they're going to come in and say, hey, private market, here's how you need to operate. We're going to create the standardization, right? Again, this is all directly from the IMF.org. CBDC could also serve as the ultimate settlement asset for tokenized finance. That's basically saying, you know, you can make a whole bunch of transactions, but then the payments will be settled in the CBDC token. And then they go on to say that this is risk-free money. <laughs> and they, and technically they can get away with saying that because, you know, the people that write financial policy and education, you know, they just sort of make up the rules and decide what it means to be risk-free money. And anyway, so they, they're saying that by underpinning settlement finality and providing access to risk-free money, CBDC could provide a foundation of trust. Both wholesale CBDC, not the focus of this paper, and retail CBDC could help safeguard singleness of money by ensuring convertibility of different, um, tokenized private money. Okay. So a couple of things wrong with this sentence. First of all, this paper, they said both wholesale CBDC, they said it does not focus on wholesale CBDC. What? <laughs> so if it's not focusing on wholesale CBDC, then it's focusing on retail CBDC or just CBDCs as a whole. But why would it focus on wholesale CBDCs, which are large value transactions? And IMF, who is the world central bank or Western central bank, acts as such. Why wouldn't they deal in wholesale CBDC if majority of their communications are B2B. Why wouldn't they focus? Why would they focus on retail? That's really weird. I thought this paper would be about wholesale CBDCs. And it says that's not the focus of this paper. Meanwhile, we've taken a look at how um, other CBDC projects are focusing and outside of the well-developed ones like uh, China and India, much of the conversations about wholesale CBDC. So why are they not focused on wholesale CBDCs? That's really weird. Anyway, um, so uh, then they say here, safeguard the singleness of money. The singleness, which means they only want one kind of money, their money, not private money, your money. But what they're saying is they want to ensure convertibility of different tokenized private money. So basically saying we can issue some private money in the private sector or some money can be issued, but it must be convertible to the CBDC and back and forth to create that singleness of money, which would be the tokenized asset. So again, communism. Uh, I'm probably going to say communism. You got to take a shot every time I say communism during the stream. Uh, let me check on the chat just to make sure they're not bugging out and nothing's wrong. Uh, 
Happy 100th episode to what? Um, NWO Magicians. Yeah, absolutely. What up, Heather? She says, happy Saturday. Thank you. Happy Saturday, Griff. I'm on it. International Digital Currency Fund coming soon. Yeah, you're right, Hotep Dutch. You're right. You said you think the feds need to pull cash. Why would they need to pull cash? Kevin says they already don't want people to know that they literally don't have enough money in the bank to give you what they have. I really have over $200 so I can bank at most ATMs. Wait till you wait till we get to the section on on um on bank runs. <laughs> yeah, they talk about it in here. They cover every angle in here. All right, let's go back. All right. So, monetary sovereignty. This section is called monetary sovereignty and monetary and financial stability, right? Now, re- look 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 at this sentence here. It says CBDC could potentially ensure that central banks can continue to not only fulfill their functions in the future, but also improve their functions by leveraging new technology. So basically what they're saying is CBDCs keep central banks relevant. So where you have some people saying end the Fed, well, CBDC is going to ensure that you can't end the Fed, or at least partly. Um, it says here with digitalization and failing cash usage in parts of the world, central banks are considering CBDC to ensure a fundamental anchor of trust in the monetary system, public money being risk-free. Why do they keep saying public money is risk-free? I still can't get my head around that. Mostly because I've 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 been studying public money and public money is like it's risk free to them. (laughs) That's really what it is. It's risk free to them, (laughs) but not to us, the taxpayer. Anyway, let's just continue Um, because we pay for it through inflation and interest payments on treasury bonds and all that other shit. Anyway, let's just continue before I get in the weeds. Uh, provides a benchmark for all other types of money. So again, being a reserve asset, right? Um, And backstops them through convertibility, right? So being a reserve asset, basically. Convertibility helps ensure monetary financial stability in a digital world where cash is no longer in use. CBDC could continue to serve this function, right? So it says central banks are exploring ways to maintain maintain the demand for central bank money. So again, The CBDC is all about maintaining the demand for central bank money. And it says right here, they're they're not hiding their agenda. They just know that people aren't going to tune into this stream. They know people aren't going to listen to this stream on Spotify. People are not going to read this report. So they're going to tell you the plan. It's, It's even part of Satanism. I think they said they have to tell you their plan. So it says central banks are exploring ways to maintain the demand for central bank money in the face of widespread use of crypto assets and potentially foreign issued CBDCs, foreign issued CBDCs. So let's see what they say about that. If a significant share of domestic transactions is not denominated in the official unit of, of account and not settled through a central bank money, monetary policy could become ineffective. Basically what they're saying is if they, if we start using Bitcoin or some other, let's say we start using Syscoin, right? 
if we start using syscoin they become obsolete that's what that sentence reads that's exactly how that sentence reads it says this is the currency substitution problem that some emerging market and developing companies are already suffering so people are already saying i don't want to use the currency of my country i'm going to use crypto and this is why there's a, a big push especially amongst the right to tell right wingers say no to crypto altogether but they're showing you right now crypto is actually the thing that's toppling the central bankers in some countries some countries are dealing with currency issues because of cryptocurrency so the right wing the conservatives are like oh i don't want no digital crypto i don't want that stuff that stuff no good i got my dollar i got my cash crypto bad because they don't know anything and then their influencers don't know anything so then they will keep pushing that so the trick is to get everybody to hate crypto so they can pass this legislation we'll say cbdc will crush crypto right now i won't technically crush crypto to just basically like i said solidify um central bank money because you can't kill crypto because it's a protocol anyway continuing uh, a cbdc could potentially improve right here competitiveness of the domestic currency versus foreign currencies and other privately issued digital money so the cbdc is about making the central bank competitive not only to crypto which is privately issued digital money but also foreign currencies so they're afraid that we might start transacting in foreign currencies because if china issues a cbdc or has and we get access to that we might start you know running around playing with the yuan you know the remini or however you say that remini anyway um if it is well designed with attractive use features for instance if the cbdc has considerable user convenience or reduced cost to obtain it compared with cash issued in another jurisdiction the domestic population might shift their usage toward domestic currency so what they're saying is if we program the cbdc right people will not shy away from the dollar and this is why i keep telling people like people keep saying the dollar is going to die the dollar is going to die i'm like no the dollar is not going to die that's what they're going to tell you in order to bring about the cbdc they're going to say look the dollar's dying we got to move to the cbdc and everybody's going to be like oh we knew it the dollar's going to die and they're going to present themselves as some sort of heroes and then three years from now people are going to be saying hotep jesus you are a prophet you told us this no i wasn't a prophet i just read the report from the imf <laughs> when nobody else did it <laughs> you know um and but it's it's right there it's right there they're telling you Anyway, let's continue. It says uh, CBDC successfully lowers the barriers again, financial inclusion. And it says here to the extent that CBDC competes with bank deposits. Now, when we talk about before where your bank might go away. So this is a, a serious concern. And they mentioned this several times in this, in this um, report. And it says to the extent that CBDC competes with bank deposits, whether uh, remunerated or not, banks incentives to track deposit rates more closely with policy rates could increase, thus potentially improving monetary uh, policy transmission. However, however, now this is the part you got to pay attention. We've been talking about this all week. 
However, that in turn could undermine the deposit franchise value of commercial banks, thus leading to consolidation and and concentration. Such trade-offs are potentially first order and need to be carefully considered. So they're telling you this is a first order. What are we going to do about commercial banking? Okay. And he said this could lead to consolidation and concentration. Um, right now in my head, I'm trying to figure out if I need to try and break down and explain how this should happen. I think you guys are smart for the, for the most part, but basically what, what, what they're saying is that um, banks would directly compete with the fed because of interest rates programmed into the money. And when you got to compete with the fed, you're probably going to lose. Right. And it, actually I don't have to explain it cause they explained it in this report. So we'll just continue reading. But uh, I do want to uh, talk about this part right here, consolidation and concentration that's JPM, right? So basically what's going to happen is your banks, your commercial banks, whatever bank you bank with, and you'll see it here later on, what's going to happen to them in, in that section. But JPM is just going to buy them out. They're just going to get bought out. Right. And then you will, you'll, the, there'll be like one or two banks left in America, It'll be JPM and bank of America or something like that. Um, and maybe your federal credit union, if those things still, still exist. Right. So it says here, um, CBDC could enable more targeted monetary policy. This is important. Targeted monetary policy via transfers in emergency situations. So again, we told you, you know, they're going to use emergency situations to sell this. So it says such as helicopter monetary stimulus could be used in extreme circumstances such as wars, pandemics or natural disasters if judged to be consistent with the central bank's mandate. So, you know, assume there's a war, a pandemic or a natural disaster, all three that we've experienced within the last year, that could lead to an excuse for in a CBDC. And it says here, CBDC could also reduce currency substitution, thus potentially enhancing monetary policy implementation. Non-interest bearing CBDC could preserve senior ridge in the face of declining cash usage and in some countries help support financial and operational independence of the central bank. <sighs> Again, stability of the central bank. All right, let's go to this next section. This one, this next section is called macro financial risk and impact considerations, right? So this is um, the things that they uh, are concerned with, right? Risk. So let's uh, jump right here. It says, as discussed at DAS and others, issuance of CBDC could result in a one-off tightening or loosening of monetary policy stance. So basically what they're saying in that sentence is monetary policy in America is going to change. Now it could change once or it could be, you know, um, several times, could be loosening of monetary policy or tightening of monetary policy. But I think the 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 most dangerous part is they're going to open up the books. Right. And you guys know this stuff. They issue these one thousand page bills. Right. And then in these bills, they stuff like a whole bunch of stuff in there. So that's what's going to happen with the CBDC legislation. We're going to be pulling that stuff out. It's going to be a thousand page document, 20,000 page document. Congress is going to have one night to review 20,000 pages. And then. um all types of things will be passed under our noses. 
because they'll just stuff it all in one bill, right? So they're going to have to look at regulation laws and all that stuff, right, to be compliant with our government. Otherwise, we'd be able to sue them and get away with it. Um, Central banks need to monitor potential effects and, if necessary, take measures to maintain a monetary policy stance. For instance, if there is outflow of deposits to CBDC, banks could respond by decreasing credit creation, right? Now, I want want to pay attention to this this sentence right here because I had an argument with somebody I talked about on, on Twitter before where they just... They understand monetary policy as told to them by the Fed, but they don't understand monetary policy as told to them by Thomas Sowell, which is like basically like trying to listen to a liar versus the person trying to tell you the truth. Right. So it says, for instance, if there is an outflow of deposits to the CBDC. Right. So money creation (laughs) its just fancy way of saying printing money. Right. Banks can respond by decreasing credit creation, right? So how would a bank decrease credit creation? Well, they could just increase um, um, interest rates, right? And that would make people less likely to ask for credit, which leads to a tightening of monetary policy stance. And it says central banks would then need to respond by loosening monetary policy to keep the policy stance unchanged. The funny thing is, this isn't how the Fed works, because this is the situation we're in now when we're dealing with inflation, where interest rates are through the roof for um, home loans and um, and um, and car loans. Right. So we had an outflow of deposits. Right. We had a large printing of money during the pandemic. Then what we have is the banks responding by trying to decrease credit creation with an increase in interest rates. Right. And it says what the central bank was supposed to do was loosen monetary policy. But that's not what the Fed did. The Fed increased or tightened monetary policy by increasing the interest rates at the central bank level. So they did the opposite of what the IMF said they were supposed to do. This is why I'm saying like. Let me just continue because <laughs> they say one thing over here and they do another over there. It's just a big game. And if you don't pay attention, if you don't study this stuff, you would never know it. Um, okay, so it's impact on banking sector intermediation and financial stability. Now, this is one of my uh, favorite sections of this because this is going to talk about the disappearance of banks. Okay. The disappearance of banks, what's going to happen to a bank? Okay. All right, let's go into this section. So it says a CBDC could be used not only as a means of payment, but also as a store of value. Now, remember, they said it's going to be used as a store of value. And then later on, they're going to completely contradict that. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's let's just continue. Um, As such, it could undermine commercial bank intermediation so basically saying your bank is a is a media uh, mediator or intermediary between you and the fed right you the fed and the uh treasury right so they're saying the cbdc could undermine your bank now remember before we, we, we discussed this on this channel. We said your bank could disappear. You would no longer deal with your bank. 
It's right here in the IMF paper. This is no longer conspiracy theory. This is now fact. These are things that we just thought of from our own mind, kind of just like looking at the thing in our head and saying, well, what does that mean for banks? And we said, wait, you might not need a bank if they come out to CBDC. And the paper right here says it. And it's funny how they talk about it, too. So it says here, and I'm going to read this entire section because there's a lot of highlights here. It says the potential for disintermediation depends on the design of the CBDC, particularly the level of CBDC renumeration via interest rates. So basically what they're saying is money services. When you see the term renumeration, they're talking about money services, right? And it says via interest rates. Okay. So the CBDC could either have an interest rate, uh, positive or negative, or no interest rate at all. Or it could be flexible and change at will. Um, so I guess that's three different scenarios, right? And the third is probably the most likely. None of the launched or piloted CBDCs to date is interest bearing. Okay. But in principle, the level of interest rate of the CBDC is a policy choice that could what? Vary over time. Okay. Now, like I told you, it's going to be flexible. It says here, if an interest-bearing CBDC did lead commercial banks to raise deposit rates, because they got to compete, theoretical models suggest that the magnitude of effects on the banking sector depend on the structure of the banking system and might be small in some circumstances. Right? Let's continue, though. Much depends on the banking sector concentration and banks' loan market power. Now, before I explain what's going on here, let me just finish this sentence. In some settings, higher bank deposit rates could lead to more deposits and lending. However, potentially commercial, however, potentially commercial bank disintermediation could be meaningful. And that is an important policy consideration. I'm going to continue reading and we're going to come back to J.P. Morgan. I just want you to keep J.P. Morgan top of mind when I read this section. An additional consideration is the riskiness of commercial bank loans. So basically what kind of loans they got on the books, right? A, B, triple B, triple Z, all of those bonds and shit, right? So it says renumerated CBDC, basically CBDC as a service, could push banks to invest in riskier projects. Why? Because they have to compete with the CBDC. If the CBDC is saying they're offering you 5%, if the bank wants to stay in business, they got to offer you 6%. Okay. Um, and then, of course, they're going to have to take on riskier loans, right? So that's what they're talking about here, invest in riskier projects. Increasing the total financial system risk. Because they're saying they're going to put the whole entire financial system at risk. And we've seen that with all these bank faults over the first, uh, you know, SVB and um, FTX and um, the other one, right? Uh, so it says here banks could also turn to wholesale short-term money markets because wholesale funding tends to be more volatile. Banks may have to reduce lending and hold more liquid assets under current regulatory liquidity requirements, according to Bank of England and the Bank of International Settlements. It says also 
smaller banks could be disproportionately affected because they lack access to alternative funding markets and could find it more difficult to compete in a higher interest rate setting, ultimately leading to a more concentrated banking sector. So basically what they're saying here is your small banks are gone. We're going to concentrate the power and JP Morgan's going to take over. All right. They're not saying that I'm saying that, but that's pretty much what they're saying here. Smaller banks can be disproportionately affected because they're going to have to take more risk. They don't have the liquidity. They don't have the money to stay in business and compete because you need vast amounts of liquidity or reserve reserves on hand in case you have a bank run or in case you're involved in the money markets. And there's a call. If you're dealing in a call money market, you definitely want to keep some reserves on hand in case somebody calls the, calls that loan. Right. But again, a more concentrated banking sector, centralization of power within the hands of the state is a goal of Lenin. This is Lenin said 90 percent of communizing uh, a nation is creating a central bank. Let's continue. It says CBDC may become an attractive safe haven in times of financial turmoil. So again, they're going to say, oh, the dollar collapsed, bricks and all this stuff. Don't worry. We got the remedy. CBDC is a safe haven in times of financial turmoil. It says here by offering a safe and liquid alternative to deposits. I don't even know how, how these people get away with this shit. This shit is hilarious. Well, I know how to get away with it because nobody actually like reads this stuff and knows how they talk about it. Nobody's going to stand up and say anything. But how do you have a, a liquid alternative to deposits? Either the money is there or it's not. <laughs> so basically they're saying if you don't have any deposits, we'll put the money there. We'll just type some numbers in the screen and put it there. Anyway. And could thus be an attractive destination for potential run on banks. So they're going to protect you from bank runs because they're just going to put the money in there and safeguard you from a lack of deposits. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just funny that they, um, they just put it right there. They're like they don't even hide this shit. It's just, and they know we're stupid and they know we're stupid. Anyway, such run risk from commercial bank liabilities to CBDC could occur even if the CBDC is not interest bearing. <laughs> Obviously, a run is always a threat, right? It says, in theory, CBDC design may limit such run risk in times of crisis. Oh, yeah. How are you going to stop a bank run? Let's find out. Furthermore, crisis management tools, including deposit insurance and discount window policies, can, at least in principle, limit run risk. And that's kind of like what we have now. However, these are serious concerns of risk that have, have to be carefully considered. Many jurisdictions consider limits on CBDC holdings to limit run risk. So they're talking about programming the money so you can't do a big run. And state contingent policies, including potentially negative rates on bank digital currency holdings in times of crisis. 
A further serious concern is if foreign CD, CBDC is easily available. Runs toward foreign CBDCs could make it more difficult to manage the currency and liquidity crisis, particularly in emerging market and developing economies. So basically saying, if your country is having liquidity issues, I could run to somebody else's CBDC. I could run to China's CBDC or Russia's or India's. So not only worried about a bank run, they're also worried about people going to foreign currencies. Says here, such flight to foreign CBDCs could potentially destabilize domestic monetary policy and the banking system. In such cases, jurisdictions could consider capital flow management measures in the design of CBDC. <laughs> and this is where you need to have an IQ above 80 to understand what's going on over here, right? So what do they mean when they say capital flow management measures in the design of the CBDC? What does that mean? Basically what they're saying is they're going to design the CBDC so you cannot transact in foreign CBDCs, only certain foreign CBDCs, which means you will not be able to transfer your USDC, US digital coin for the China coin, the Russia coin, the BRICS coin, non-transferable. We will program it so it cannot speak to those other currencies. We will cut you off from other CBDCs, go get you a VPN and transfer your Bitcoin or your and this is why this is why I said see people think this is this is going to kill crypto this is going to make crypto more valuable cuz it's about sovereignty like if you want sovereignty so again I got I got to pause right here I'm going to come back let me let me let me put myself on the big screen so dystopian future dystopian future has a CBDC which says you can't transact with other foreign currencies However, some merchants are going to say, we're going to do otherwise. Merchants and DeFi, DGENs, et cetera, et cetera. So the DeFi world, what we're going to do is we're going to be transferring things like Syscoin and using the crypto so that we can transfer different CBDCs. So I'll be able to get some Russia CBDC. And this is where the um, Forex market is going to take a little bit of a, a, a change too, but doing foreign exchange, right? Foreign exchange is going to take a, a, a very different approach, but in order to do foreign exchange, what you'll need to do is you need to trade your USD for some sort of um, cryptocurrency like Syscoin, then take that Syscoin and then transfer it to a foreign, ex foreign currency because your CBDC will not be, um, able to do so because it will program it. And that's why I said in the future, everyone's a tech geek conservative in the future. Conservatives are tech geeks, not by choice. Right. And that's why I say, if you're conservative now and you're not paying attention to this, you're going to be in a world of hurt later trying to learn this stuff. Okay. Now, granted, it's going to be a lot easier because technology and the program is going to be a lot easier. So grants gonna be a lot easier but you're still going to need some technical savvy to um, 
or just know how just to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. But in the future, everybody's a tech geek, just like all of the dystopian futuristic movies. Everybody's a tech geek, tech geek, not because they want to be, but because they want their sovereignty, they want their freedom. And they know that I always think of like altered carbon, like whoever is that, you know, communist dictator that says you have to use this money. Some people are not, you know, that money says, you know, we notice that you had some disruptive content on your social media. We have placed limits on your CBDC wallet. So in order for you to go around that, you will need to use private money like CBDC or a form of cryptocurrency, but VPNs are illegal. So you'll need a device that'll make sure they can't detect your VPN. So you can run your VPN so you can do transactions and provide food for your family or buy a gun. Because the CBDC will say, hey, you know, CBDC cannot be used to purchase that AR-15. Here's your little, you know, green neon laser gun that, you know, is basically going to do nothing to somebody. Right. It's basically a glorified stun gun. OK, this is what. So conservatives in the future, a.k.a. the underground, a.k.a. the right wing are going to be technologically advanced, not by choice, but by necessity for freedom. And it's right here in the IMF paper. Uh, let's keep going. So they talked about capital flow management measures inside the design and basically limits. Right. And they're going to tell you about the limits. It's coming up in another section here. So central banks need to make a careful assessment of the ability of the financial sector to adjust CBDC issuance. Right. So this is about. Um, well, it, they'll tell you, actually. So here it says this assessment should cover both potential and initial effects of CBDC issued. Right. So printing of money as well as uh, longer term effects when the CBDC could affect the structure and functioning of financial system and economy more broadly. So they don't know how it's going to affect the global, the greater economy. It says this will involve assessing banking sector robustness competitiveness, bank reserve levels and funding structures. They pretend like they want to preserve the banking sector. Really, it's just JPM. Uh, the central bank should conduct a thorough scenario analysis with the spectrum of different CBDC option outcomes, tracing banking sector impacts based upon data and parameters discussed previously for each scenario. Now, here's a sentence I wanted to get to. This exercise gives the central bank a landscape of potential outcomes that can that can guide design choices. For instance, a hard cap on holdings of CBDC or conversion limits, which is discussed in a section on design choices and could limit disintermediation risk. Right. So they're going to place limits and caps on how much you can hold and how much you can convert and all of that. Right. So. Um, let's skip this section. Let's go straight to this section here. It says institutional capacity. Hold on. Let me check on the chat. Let me make sure the chat's good chat. Y'all good. Everybody following, put one in the chat. If you following, if everything's good, put one in the chat. If you're following, everything's good. Um, real quick. If you want to be one of those people that are on the cutting edge of technology and moving towards sovereign and, you know, uh, free crypto when i say free i mean like from a freedom perspective we have a link in the description box below if you want to be some of those conservatives that are getting ahead of this thing before it's too late you can participate and get paid at the same time sorry i had a sneeze um 
hit the link in the description box below and join our exclusive group for the super dap and daps are going to be very very um very uh, prominent uh and popular in the future in the dystopian future so here's our telegram group hit that link join us if you want to get paid to be a part of the launch of this project we just need your help um you know spreading the message when this project launches and you will be paid as such what up kamar kamar in the house renee vogel and rudy in the house what up man um thank you provider all right so let's go back so join that group if you want to be if you're if you're not in crypto especially and you like need to learn and you want to be a part of the future you definitely need to get in here all right let's go back shout out to syscoin um now institutional capacity for a successful cbdc project the identification of adequate human resources is crucial, including for central bank and stakeholder personnel, all other competent authorities and private sector collaborators. It must be assessed whether the central bank has sufficient know-how amongst its staff, right? Now, the reason why I mentioned, I, I, I uh, highlighted this is because their staff is complete idiots. They don't know what the hell they're doing. I've spoken about this before where somebody may have financial um, prowess, but not technological and vice versa, right? So uh, technology providers are going to need to come in and educate these people because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. All right, let's scroll down. We're going to go down to the section D. It says um, page 16, stakeholder engagement and public communication. It says central banks should identify and map stakeholders of CBDC issuance and adopt a strategy for engaging with them throughout the CBDC project. So this is basically anybody who has an interest, including government politicians. So they're going to have to talk to government politicians and educate them, which means indoctrinate, right? Because the government politicians, you think Nancy Pelosi's sitting around reading this right now? You think, Mar uh, who's the lady that looked like James Brown? You think she's, um, um, uh, what's her name, Margaret, what's her name? You think she's sitting around reading this? You think Mitch McConnell's sitting around reading this? You think AOC's sitting around reading this? No, somebody's going to come in and tell them what to think. Anyway, it says government authorities in particular, ministries of finance are key stakeholders. The central bank should carefully coordinate with government authorities to ensure support and that the CBDC would also address their needs and challenges. For instance, authorities that carry out regular government to household payments, such as social security transfers, can provide important feedback on the talent challenges they face. So they're going to be bringing in Social Security and all the other government programs to come in and tell them how this program works so that they can program the CBDC. And this is partly how they're going to sell the CBDC. It's going to be through government programs. Let's continue. Most jurisdictions require approval from political stakeholders for legal reforms that will allow potential CBDC issuance. So again, CBDC is illegal at this point and unlawful. So they will need to uh, get those legal uh, reforms in place. Political decisions should be based on information that is accurate as possible. Other government authorities, public institutions, and stakeholders will also need to be consulted when discussing whether to give the central bank the authority to issue CBDC. Misunderstandings of the nature of the, po of the project can be ingrained and effectively block the a possibility of issuing CBDC for the f foreseeable future through lack of support for the project. So again, there is a roadblock of legality. For instance, misunderstand now, now this is what you guys got to pay attention to. For instance, misunderstanding of the nature of programmability of money 
and the ability of central banks to monitor individual transactions has generated backlash against CBDC in some countries. Basically, they're saying is we know the money can be programmed and we know they can see what we're doing with the transactions and we don't like it. And they're calling that a misunderstanding. Let's continue with this section. Finally, the adoption of CBDC will rely on stakeholder engagement communication. Okay, so it says here, maintaining public confidence in the central bank. We talked about that before. They want to keep their role in our lives. And in the value of CBDC is essential. Policymakers should adopt trust building policy measures. Basically, they need the policy. They're going to train the policymakers and the policymakers are going to train us and tell us, look, you can trust us. Right. Which entails taking concerns expressed by stakeholders into design considerations. For instance, both the Bank of England and the European Central Bank have clearly expressed that their potential CBDCs will not be programmable by the central bank or the government, reflecting concerns from stakeholders that programmability could restrict the spending choices of users. So they put it right there. They put it right there. Hold on, we got people coming into the uh, into the chat right now or talking. Okay, AK just joined. And okay, people are joining. Okay, cool. Shout out to the people that just joined our Telegram. Right? So they're talking about programmability money. And of course, if they can program the money, they can tell us what we can and cannot buy with our money. Uh, it says central bank regularly meeting with the political body. So the central bank's going to have to meet with the political body, obviously, for legal purposes. Now it has here the Bahamas example. And we talked about this before how um, it's Bahamas, Jamaica, and Nigeria are the three places where they actually have production of the CBDC functioning outside of China um, and India. It says in December 2019, the Central Bank of Bahamas launched a CBDC pilot on the island. Nine months prior, um, the Central Bank conducted a survey in the region to assess the level of digitalization. And they use the term financial inclusion twice here. Right. So they're saying, oh, poor black people in the Bahamas. They need financial inclusion. We got to help them out. Here go to CBDC. CBDC helped the black man. The black man can't do nothing without the CBDC. That's basically what that is. Uh, design choices of CBDC. CBDC design choices should be aimed at meeting the designated policy objectives while minimizing the identified risks. Also, stakeholders should be consulted on their views on design features. The better stakeholder preferences are understood, the easier it will be to make design choices that will appeal to them. There might be trade-offs. There might be trade-offs, and Thomas Sowell been told you, between policy objectives and risk mitigation measures. For instance, the wish to reduce disintermediation impact of CBDC by choosing not to remunerate holdings. Okay. Um, which is much different than renumerate, which is the term I used before and gave you the wrong definition early in this podcast. And I apologize for that. I got dyslexia, so shit happens. Uh, you'll be all right. Um, remunerate holdings. So basically what you're saying here is, um, again, this is about um, financial services uh, might diminish its attractiveness and reduce its ability to promote other goals. Right. So they're saying they're worried about when they say uh, reduce disintermediation. They're talking about banks dying. Right. That's basically what they're saying here. So let's go to the design principles section. It says design principles should inform the development and testing of the CBDC at every stage of the process. First, the design of the CBDC should be centered around promoting the policy goals while taking into account user needs. So again, they're more concerned 
with the policy goals rather than us, the end user. And that's not exactly surprising because this is all about controlling monetary policy. The CBDC should be designed to be interoperable with ex existing payment networks. Now, that's nothing you know crazy, but that's just basically saying that it's compatible with our current payment systems. It says the design must be capable of incorporating risk mitigating features. For example, reducing risk of bank disintermediation could entail specific design choices such as holding and transaction size caps. Now, wait a second. Let, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Let's 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 just stop right there and take a look at this, okay? So they told us before that it was a misunderstanding. It says misunderstanding about the programmability of money and the ability to uh, monitor individual transactions. But they said it's a misunderstanding about the programmability of money. But they clearly state that oh, you know, but we can program it to uh, have holding and transaction cap sizes. We can place limits on your transactions. We can place limits on how much of this stuff you actually have. Oh, you have a million dollars? Well, that's your limit. Anything excess? Well, who knows what they'll do with. And of course, they use the term future-proofed once again, right? Let's keep going. Um, so uh, this sentence here in this section says, future IMF publications will consider different business models for CBDC intermediaries. Basically what they're saying, they don't know what the fuck they're going to do about your bank, but we got to look out for future reports on that. And I will report back as soon as they issue that. This was issued yesterday and I'm here today talking about it. So I'll be covering that one within the next, within the 24 hours of it being published, hopefully as well. All right. So make sure you hit the subscribe button if you have not already. Um, account trans account and transaction limits. There's actually a section in this paper on account and transaction limits. <laughs> so let's talk about this programmability of money to reduce risks, risks of bank disintermediation holdings of CBDC could be capped. Uh, 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 oh my God. So, Actually, let's just finish and then I'll come back for greater flexibility. There could be CBDC wallets with different caps that could also be combined with greater or lesser requirements for identification. <laughs> so you might need more identification, might need more identification with the CBDC. If holding limits are reached, the excess can doesn't say will says can automatically be transferred into the receiving user's bank account. Okay. So who knows is that's a, that's a, this is a bit of a gray area. This sentence right here is a bit of a gray area. Not sure what to think of it yet. But um, in order to stop disintermediation, basically in order to save the banks, we might have to put caps on people. But if we don't put caps on people, then we can get rid of the banks. Or maybe we get rid of the banks and we still put caps on people. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um. Now check this out. Finally, jurisdictions can consider whether there are reasons to limit CBDC holdings by foreigners who can own and pay with CBDC when visiting the jurisdiction after registering for an account with a low limit 
on both holding and transaction sizes. Right. So they mentioned this for foreigners. But what about you, the domestic user? You think you won't have no limits and holding limits and transaction limits? And this stuff will change too. It'll change like by the day. Like, hey guys, um, anything over this amount will be taxed on any given day or anything under this amount will be taxed. They don't want you hoarding the money. They want you moving. They want you spending it. They don't want you hoarding assets. Are you serious? And said, let's, let's continue. If improved cross-border functionality is an important policy objective for the CBDC project, central banks should reach out to foreign counterparts, in particular within the same region to countries with which they share significant trade and financial linkages to jointly discuss issues of CBDC interoperability and design, such as, and then they say, central banks should also seek communication in international organizations with international organizations such as the Bank of International Settlements and the IMF, right? So they're basically saying, before y'all do anything, make sure y'all talk to us because we the real gangsters here, right? And then here, when they talk about share significant trade and financial linkages, Really, what they're saying here is there's going to need to be a cooperation amongst countries. And this is why I say we're going to have the bifurcation of the world where BRICS is going to have one coin. The Western will have the Western coin and then our CBDCs will communicate with that Western coin, whatever it may be. But there is going to need to be some cooperation between countries, which means there could be one global governing body of money and monetary policy due to these linkages, which means we could be governed by a foreign government. Let's continue. Um, so remuneration, right? So basically remuneration is money services. And it says here, although none of the CBDCs launched or piloted to date have been remunerated, there are reasons to consider interest bearing CBDC, such as supporting monetary policy. Remuneration could also be used to modulate CBDC demand by increasing, decreasing rates to ramp up or dampen demand. So again, the money would be programmed, like I said, on a daily basis, it could be, whenever they feel like, just to you know change the way money flows. To mitigate disintermediation risk, tiered remuneration, which they describe here as uh, high interest rates for small holdings and low rates for high balances, right? Which is pretty much standard, right? Um, can be used to discourage demand for CBDC as a store of value. So if you if people are hoarding the CBDC, they could hit you with a negative interest rate and you're just slowly losing money for having that money in there, right? Spend it, get rid of it, put it somewhere. However, uh, legal issues might arise from interest bearing CBDC that should be carefully assessed. So what they're basically saying is the CBDC right now is unlawful and illegal. So make sure you go talk to your local politicians and pay them off so that we can issue the CBDC. For instance, it must be assessed whether the CBDC can be can legally be remunerated. Right. Can it? Even if the decision is made not to remunerate. The capacity to do so could be um, incorporated to keep future options open. All right. Hold on a second. I need to look something up because I just reached a point of confusion.
Oh, it's a spelling error. Oh, it's a spelling error. Oh, okay. That's why I was confused. All right, my bad. I just had to look something up really quick. Because they say here, renumerated, and then they say remunerated. And it's a, it's, this is a misspelling. But I think you can spell it both ways. Um, all right, so let's go to the next section here. Um, privacy and anonymity. So there's three points here. It says... Um, or three ways that this could handle privacy and anonymity. It says first would be fully trans transparent to the central bank in which all data relates to transactions and customer due diligence are visible to the central bank. Right? So it's fully transparent. Then you have transparent to intermediary in which all transaction and customer due diligence data are visible to intermediary, basically your bank, your bank will be able to see the transactions. And it says privacy threshold in which there is a high degree of privacy for low value transactions or microtransactions, whereas large value transactions are subject to standard customer due diligence checks. So right now, if I sent you, you know, a million dollars worth of Syscoin, nobody could stop that. I'd press a button and it'd be there in five minutes, right? Nobody could stop that. I won't have to sign no paperwork. I didn't have to ask anybody for permission. But what they're saying is, if it's a large value transaction, uh, we might need to look at that information. We don't know if we can guarantee anonymity. Let's continue. It says complete anonymity would conflict with AML and CFT procedures. So they're basically saying that we can't have anonymity because it destroys our power. It destroys our ability to snoop. Because we have to watch for people that are laundering money, right? And laundering money is just basically a way to say hiding money from the government because they have extorted us, right? So their extortion laws, anonymity would not allow them to extort us. That's basically what they're saying. Anonymity will not allow you to extort me. Anonymity will not allow them to extort us, right? And most central banks are opting for the privacy threshold model as the best compromise between guaranteeing privacy of payments. So basically, business as usual. <laughs> business as usual. While accounting for regulatory requirements, Box 4 provides an example. Also, central banks typically have access to pseudonymous data. But in some cases, they can de-anonymize if they can show probable cause, such as with a court order. Now, we saw that with the safe company this week. Got a court order. Oh, here's the combination to the safe. So, CBDC. Yeah, wait, we got a court order. That's not exactly anonymous. We know who you are. Anyways, come down. It says uh, a possible digital euro and privacy. Um, and it says here, in this respect, the European Data Protection Board recommended that the digital, door, uh, digital euro be made available both online and offline along a threshold below which no tracing is possible to allow full anonymity of daily transactions. So that's just daily transactions. That's not like the big transactions. And we all know the big transactions are the important ones. And those are the ones that we kind of want to hide. Programmability. There's a programmability section here. And it says CBDC could potentially be programmed for conditional payments. 
conditional payments <laughs> by utilizing technologies such as smart contracts. We've talked about that before. Potential functions of programmability include making automatic point of sale tax payments. Automatic point of sale tax payments. I'm going to read that again. Automatic point of sale tax payments. You will pay your taxes automatically from every transaction. Goodbye tax refund. Um, also, and controversially, smart contracts could restrict where or when it could be spent. Where or when we can restrict where or when you will spend your money. For example, if funds are provided as part of a government household relief subsidy. Oh, yeah. Everybody on them government programs. Oh, you about to really feel communism now. You can't get lobster with them food stamps. This is the CBDC. We program it. You will eat bugs. How about actually you're not even gonna eat bugs. You're going to have this beyond meat. Bugs are going to be a delicacy compared to the beyond meat that you eat. How about this lamp lab grown meat burger? That's what you're going to eat. Programmed right into the money. This your dinner. Says it right there. There is, however, a difference between smart money and smart payments. Thus, payment conditionally can be introduced within the payment infrastructure without altering the nature of the digital currency itself, meaning they can program payments. Your car payment, your house payment, your rent payment, all this stuff can be programmed. Just those payments. Such programmability of payments is not unique for CBDC and could be applied for other types of digital payments. That is true. This is not unique to the CBDC and they can program payments as it is now. Um, what else is in here? Legal Framework Regulation and Oversight, Section F, page 24. So it says CBDC issuance and distribution required a solid legal basis. Again, AML laws need a legal basis to issue the CBDC, basically saying you got to talk to Congress first. And they said there are major legal implications is uh, the legal relationship between the central bank and the holder of the CBDC. Yeah, yeah, depending on what model they choose. Um, but yeah, this stuff has to get passed through Congress. Then it says here in regards to central bank law, central bank law may need to be reformed to allow issuance of CBDC. Of course it needs to be reformed. And here are um, three bullet points. An explicit function in the central bank law to issue currency generally without limiting the issuance of currency to physical currency such as banknotes and coins, right? Associated powers to issue token-based CBDC, such as the power to produce, acquire, distribute, withdraw, and destroy token-based CBDC. An explicit power to open accounts for all intended users of an account-based CBDC. So there's some different ways they're looking at how they're going to make this thing legal and lawful. Um, but maybe one day we wake up and the federal reserve says, Hey, you now have an account at the federal reserve. Who knows? Who knows? But that would be explicit power. So explicit power, associated powers and explicit function. Okay. Are the three different bullet types there, bullet points there. Um, is that it? Yeah. This is all experimentation and technology. Here they talk about the Bahamas, Jamaica, and Nigeria says, um, 
to date, only three jurisdictions in the world have entered in the production phase of a CBDC. And again, that's Bahamas, Jamaica, and Nigeria. Then they go on here to say the CBDC is never finished. Obviously, with technology, technology is never finished. It's always evolving and ongoing, right? And reiterating. So obviously, the CBDC is never finished. And, you know, um, one day, you know, it could be different from what you have seen it. And that right there is the conclusion of my presentation on how should central banks explore central bank digital currency as told to you by the International Monetary Fund, AKA the World Bank, the IMF. Um, Rumble chat cheats on their taxes about being unemployed. <laughs> should I open up phone lines or can I get out of here? I'm gonna just catch up on the chat real fast. Um, what? Maxine Waters, yeah, that's her name, thank you. I always forget her name. I always wanna call her Margaret for some reason. I always wanna call her Margaret Sanger. Um, see my longer comment on CBDC and crypto opinions. Uh, all right, let me just open up phone lines to make it easier. I'll um I'll open up phone lines. Text Hotep in your name to uh, 202-596-5631, 202-596-5631. I really didn't feel like taking phone calls today because I wanted to sort of enjoy my Saturday, but duty calls. Duty fucking calls. So, uh, yeah, text 202-596-5631 with Hotep in your name. And uh, if you got questions or comments, and I'll be right back after this short commercial break. <laughs> 